We have an update on the Miles Bridges situation. Miles Bridges yesterday was charged with felony domestic violence as well as two counts of child abuse. We'll discuss all of that today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Unfortunately, this episode will be yet another melancholy in tone because of what we've had to discuss this offseason regarding the Miles Bridges situation. I'm going to go through the timeline real quickly in case you don't have all of the information, in case you need to be reminded of what's taken place over the last 20, 20 days or so. And then once we get through this timeline, we'll share some of our thoughts on what's taken place. So Miles Bridges was arrested for felony domestic violence on June 29th by Los Angeles police and was later released on a $130,000 bond. Michelle Johnson, the mother of his children, posted several pictures on Instagram on July 1st of her apparent injuries, along with a medical report that read, quote, adult victim of physical abuse by male partner, assault by strangulation, brain concussion, closed fracture of nasal bone, contusion of rib, multiple bruises, strain of neck muscle, end quote on the medical report. The Instagram post also included a video of Bridges' son speaking about witnessing the alleged event, too. Miles Bridges now faces one felony count of injuring a child's parent and two felony counts of child abuse under circumstances or conditions likely to cause great bodily injury or death. We'll get to that statement in just a moment as well. Now, the L.A. District Attorney George Gascon, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, also had a comment on this, quote, Domestic violence creates physical, mental, and emotional trauma that has a lasting impact on survivors. Children who witness family violence are especially vulnerable, and the impact on them is immeasurable. The Hornets did, uh, the Hornets did release a statement on this, too, and the Hornets said this, quote, These are very serious charges that we will continue to monitor. As this is a legal matter, we will have no further comment at this time. So very short comment from the Charlotte Hornets, but those are the details as it's played out to this current point. There is a hearing today. Hopefully we'll get some more information on what's next to take place. I would imagine we're going to get at least something from this hearing that will be taking place today based off of the charges. Again, felony domestic violence, two counts of child abuse. Doug, where do you want to start just based off of what we've seen here, child abuse, the two counts that the district attorney is seeking here against Miles Bridges seem to be something new that we haven't discussed in a whole lot of detail as of yet. Yeah, and as we've uh, talked about through this process with, with Katie Heindel and, and amongst ourselves, too often in these discussions, the centering of these conversations tends to be around the professional player involved and the implications for the team when the centering of these discussions really needs to be around the victim, or in this case now, multiple victims uh, of the alleged uh, incident uh, that, that is being described here, and the, the new wrinkle, which we had some hints of in the Michelle Johnson post, as you mentioned, that the, the new wrinkle here is that his children are involved or allegedly involved and, and we have to be, you know, obviously there's a, a legal matter taking place and, and we have to be careful as we kind of couch this, uh, couch this in, in language and in, in legal language as, as all of this is playing out. And I think that's why you saw the Hornet statement being sort of a nothing statement is because they are, b because 
because they chose not to act on this early on, they now find themselves wrapped up in the messiness of the, uh, you know, American justice system. The, on the, on the child abuse, uh, on the child abuse allegations and the, and the now the charges on this, I think there is some confusion. And, and I think certainly through this process, we'll, we'll have it cleared up. There seems to be some confusion about this, about whether or not he, because when we hear child abuse, we, I think we, we automatically, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself. You, you know, you automatically go to the, the physical nature of that, of, of striking a child. And, and we have a visceral reaction to that. And what, what I've challenged myself with and learning more about this process is, is the mental and emotional uh, aspect of, of even witnessing an event like this and, and the impact as, as the district attorney was mentioning it is immeasurable. It's traumatic. It's going to last a lifetime witnessing um, a parent uh, physically abuse, hurt, injure, dominate a partner it is something that's absolutely devastating. And California, and I don't know, I, I, we need to learn more about what the statues are in North Carolina. I think that's important to learn about. But we know, you know, in the California statute, they have decided, all right, to protect children, we're going to make it a felony to be around this situation, to be, to witness this kind of attack. And I think it speaks to the idea that children who witness this kind of thing, it's not only about the mental and emotional harm, which is, which is a huge part of it, but it's also about the fact that if they're around in these situations, they, because those situations are so volatile, they're, they're filled with all kinds of emotion and rage and anger that can, that can move to the children in an instant, in a snap. And so uh, this statute recognizes that children even being around this situation need to be protected. People need to be punished for putting them in this situation that could easily result in physical abuse. Yeah, the emotional part about this is not talked about nearly enough. Where we see the medical report come in as to how Michelle Johnson physically was affected, it's gruesome. It's absolutely brutal. And then that's where people stop. And when we don't, what we fail usually at times, I don't want to speak for everybody, but mm -hmm. a lot of times people fail to realize the emotional trauma that not only this has on the person affected like Michelle Johnson, but also the kids that were affected, even if they were not physically struck, even if that did not take place. Now, the wording, the language on this statement where you do have child abuse that could cause bodily harm. I want to get this right. I shouldn't just try to paraphrase here. When sure. you have the child, when you have the child abuse uh, uh, accounts come in as well, conditions yeah, likely to so, cause yeah, great yeah. Uh, conditions likely to cause great bodily injury or death. That could lead one to believe that there was some kind of physical altercation. But what seems to have happened here is, according to the LA District Attorney comment, where he clarifies that children who witness family violence are especially vulnerable and the impact on them is immeasurable. It does lead you to believe that this has taken place in an emotional standpoint from their point of view and that that is child abuse, which, Doug, I would completely agree with. Like, here we are talking about traumatic events. It's why I talked about this in the standpoint that I did previously when discussing Miles Bridges, and I took the kid's standpoint when that video was released, when Michelle Johnson put that video of their son 
saying that he did witness what took place, what was allegedly what allegedly took place, right? And can I and, can I can I can I pause you there for just a moment because sure. I think this is important. When we say what he witnessed, I want to again read the medical report. Adult victim of physical abuse by male partner, assault by strangulation, brain concussion, closed fracture of nasal bone, contusion of rib, multiple bruises, strain of neck muscle. Though assault by strangulation, that's what uh, that's what we're talking about that, that 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 this child has allegedly witnessed. Go ahead. So when I said then that that child is not going to forget about that, then you have to imagine what kind of negative impact that has on that child's life going forward. And so now to be legal, re, legally responsible for this, to have a legal count on this, I think does matter. And now you're seeing that somewhat as we talked about that already, right? But now we are kind of seeing this play out in the justice system where now we're seeing the DA come after Miles Bridges with a couple of those charges as well. Yeah, and we, we as we've discussed with Katie Heindel, I'll keep bringing up that interview. So if you, if I keep bringing it up, so if you actually want to watch it, I, I thought it was it was a uh, uh, we posted the full interview as well as um, um, some edited portions. So uh, go check that out on our YouTube channel. I thought it was a really kind of informative um, discussion, in depth discussion of this. Uh, the legal system is tenuous. We don't we 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 don't. It doesn't. It, it's not especially known for protecting women. So I think we have to be really careful when we talk about like, well, you know, if these if these charges stick, then boy, he's gonna be in trouble. Um, you know, and the the NBA and and the Hornets monitoring this situation. I have, I so often we see in these situations that the leagues and the teams attach themselves to the legal system. It's safe. Okay, well, the legal system will save us in this instance. If the legal system says that that you know that that he's he's done these things for sure, hundred percent, then we can move. And they don't they don't take into consideration the pictures that we saw from Michelle Johnson, the medical report, the other the other materials that that may not ultimately have an impact on the final results of of this in the legal system because this this whole system is is messy and not black and white that so the leagues like to be in the black and white they don't like to be in the gray uh we'll we'll see how this plays out um but i don't unfortunately walker i don't have a lot of faith that the, the leagues and teams will act in, in such a way, except in, in complete self-interest. And I, I hope I'm proven wrong. Yeah. And we'll see. I, the last thing I want to say about the emotional trauma real quickly is that Michelle Johnson knows about the long lasting effects that this could have on her children too. And so not only does she have to deal with all of the injuries that you just repeated, Doug, but now she has to deal with the fact that her children are going to remember this, that that immediately affects their child, her child's, her children's life. And so now that has to have some kind of emotional trauma on her as well, not just her. But now here we are talking about it from the kid's standpoint. It, there's so many branches to go out on yeah. that I, I'm, I'm glad that this is being acknowledged. I'm glad that it's being acknowledged in a legal form because so many times when we talk about this, it's black and white, as you mentioned, physical, not emotional. That's what people are getting charged with. And that doesn't come into account. And so now the fact that this is coming to account, I it, it it does seem like something unique. I, I you know, unique means one. It does seem rare 
you know so i i am glad that this is actually at least in at, at, this is baked into the cake here that this is actually being acknowledged as a real problem that needs to be addressed or at least is in the infant stages of being addressed um you and mentioned one, and, a, and, a, and a situation and a situation that the nba and this franchise is not entirely unfamiliar with they've dealt with this uh previously with uh jeff taylor uh, who was suspended 25 games, and, but ultimately remained with the team um, after pleading guilty to his charges. Um, so that's that's the historical context, at least within this franchise, that we're dealing with. And, and that leads me to kind of my final question for you, Walker, on this is what what, what do you think about the Hornets' statement? Well, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you? we can do that in the second segment. You know, let's we do can it. talk. Okay, let's do Sorry. it in the second segment because that is going to, we are going to discuss how teams, how leagues operate here. It's exactly what Doug was talking about, kind of leading into the end there. So the Hornets did release that statement. Very short. Did not want to get into detail based off of anything that took place. So that's what we'll get to in the second segment today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. I'm Walker Mail. Been covering Charlotte sports for a while. That's Doug Branson, the founder of the podcast, talking Charlotte Hornets and specifically Miles Bridges as it uh, concerns the felony domestic violence charge that was actually put on him yesterday as as well as two counts of uh, child abuse. Now, I do want to get to the Hornet statement on this. So again, just I, I'll repeat it. Quote, these are very serious charges that we will continue to monitor. As this is a legal matter, we will have no further comment at this time. It's very short, Doug. And you know what? It It's extremely short, just like the first one was. This is their second statement that they've released on the matter. Really no use in going back to the first statement they released because that that might have been it. <laughs> like that this is serious, we'll have no further comment. Both of the statements ended with, we'll have no further comment at this time. My thoughts on the statement are, that I think it's it's okay right now because because what happens is if you explore more language, if you explore more words, more sentences to write, a lot of times these teams are going to get it horribly wrong. And if you aren't going to say we're releasing Miles Bridges because of these heinous acts, then there's not much more to say than we have no further comment on this time. We understand the severity of these alleged accounts. I mean, Doug, I, I honestly like we'll, we'll kill teams rightfully so for saying the wrong things during sensitive matters. And if the Hornets essentially acknowledge what's taking place, acknowledge the severity, and then they say we have no further comment at this time, like, okay, right now, there's a very soon point where that doesn't become okay anymore. Okay? I just don't think we've reached that yet. What say you? That we also kill teams for saying nothing. And and so right. because we kill teams for saying nothing, they feel as if when these updates happen, they must say something. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the important words in this statement are as this is a legal matter <laughs> i think a lot of people would argue that it's not just a legal matter that as factually it is a legal matter he is he, that the miles bridges right now is a part of the legal system in uh los angeles county and and california and this is a legal matter but this is also a from the hornet's perspective this is also a public relations matter this is also a domestic violence matter this is an emotional matter uh, as well as a just stone cold legal matter but as i said 
teams and leagues love to operate in the black and white. They love to hide um, behind blind lady justice. But we know, I think we, I think anyone that thinks about this for more than a second before moving on through their day can understand that sometimes uh, the, the legal system is not entirely blind, that, that it can um, side with certain uh, types of people over other types of people. And, um, and I don't know that, that a team or a league is entirely equipped to deal with that, but we don't want them to say nothing. And so they must say something. And that is what we got. We got something, but it's really kind of nothing. Do you have a problem with their statement the way it came out? I, I, well, the only thing I have a problem with is I feel that they have, they have inserted them that this, this is a position that they've put themselves in, um, because, uh, and partly that Miles Bridges has put them in, but just by virtue of having committed this act, but mm. th- that this is the a situation of their own making. And as they continue through this process, the longer they stay in this, the worse it gets, the worse it looks, uh, because this situation, in my opinion, is not going to get any better. I, I just believe in my soul. This is not a situation that we're suddenly magically going to one day go, wow, we were, we yeah. were totally wrong about that. Right. Uh, I just don't. I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Yeah. Oh, no. And I have too, to be honest with you, of course, you know, and this is what we've talked about. We've talked about this really the past ever since Michelle Johnson's post. That was 20 days ago. Right. That was July 1st that that took place. So we've had this for 20 days and the Charlotte Hornets have not pulled the qualifying offer. There has not been any other contract talks to as far as our knowledge goes for any other team because miles bridges is a restricted free agent right now there haven't been any further contract talks as far as we know because of what has taken place now my next question to you as we continue you know kind of talking about this is you know, as far as the qualifying offer goes you're you're ready to pull it right i i am too to be honest but i'm just trying to clarify you're ready to pull it as well Yes, I've, I was. Well, yeah. It's not like it's not as if it's not. I just want to clarify for people listening for the first time. I've wanted to do that yeah. since I saw the pictures. And that's no, me. Just, again, right. my standard for this is not because people often come into the comments and they say, well, you know, we have a, you know, innocent until proven guilty. We have a justice system. That's the justice system. OK, that's 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 over there. That's that's that thing. I have my opinion on this. And that's, you know, that's where I've landed as I think they should have pulled the qualifying offer. and. um the, the 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 fact that they haven't is again i think you know this situation is not going to get any better and it's not going to look any better that they haven't pulled the qualifying off no and here's here's kind of what i want to talk about too because i totally agree with you i think it is time I think it is time to go ahead and pull the qualifying offer. Now, if they're waiting for this hearing to take place and then they feel like they have enough information, then A they guilty do it. plea, they may you be know, waiting for true, something like that. True. You know, so okay. Um you know, the bottom line is it very much looks like Miles Bridges is going to miss some amount of time. I don't know how much. I don't know what's going to take place. But so many times that we see domestic violence occur from an athlete playing, whether it be the NFL, whether it be the MLB or the NBA, any, you know, pick what pick a league, right? It doesn't matter. When we see domestic violence take place, we'll see that team, in, in some cases, drop that player. You know, I... I go back to the Kareem Hunt example, and I've talked about this before, right? Where the Kansas City Chiefs, after that video is released of Kareem Hunt kicking a woman, they release him. Done. You know, some time passes. He does a video saying, that's not me. Okay. Cleveland picks him up, 
Mm-hmm. And Kareem Hunt, very talented football player, has a nice little second stint with Cleveland. And, you know, they're very good and they're trying to win and they all they care about is winning, right? With that, that, that point has been exhausted quite a bit. But what happens is, for instance, if Charlotte pulls the qualifying offer and then another team picks up Miles Bridges, they're going to take the PR hit and there's going to be a lot of backlash for them doing it. And... And they're going to weather the storm, quote unquote, and then just bank on us not talking about this a year from now. And maybe Miles Bridges is, you know, who cares how he's playing in our eyes, but they care. And if he's playing well, then all of a sudden they've saved a dollar in order to win games. In the meantime, the Charlotte Hornets dropped him because they weren't going to stand for these alleged instances that took place. And then eventually they felt, nope, we're not doing it anymore. And then let's say the Charlotte Hornets aren't doing very well. And then, you know, you're going to get criticized, right? They're going to get killed. And all of a sudden you have a different, not PR nightmare, but they have to deal with all of the jokes, being the memes, being one of the worst, one of the worst franchises in the NBA. Well, that's not, well, that's not an unfamiliar place for this franchise to be. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not. But my point being is if you were to think about, you know, (laughs) what, how these teams operate, where all they care about is winning. All they care Mm -hmm. about is trying to make as much money as possible. Winning helps that, trying to put together that good old championship team. You know, they're going to view it. A lot of teams might view it as, well, why why am I just not going to take the PR hit that comes first while this other team, they're able to weather the storm, and then they reap the benefits of picking up that talented player later. Like, and and that's the problem, right? It's because those franchises aren't held accountable you know cleveland isn't held accountable. i mean damn kansas city's the I almost curse they're the worst i almost said the bad one too right <laughs> there but they're the worst man yeah, you said like, the kansas okay C- one. yeah <laughs> i did but but kansas city's the worst because they're i mean man they've had so many right they're all bad but as far as just multiple instances of having people that have had you know <laughs> a lot of evidence against them uh, in cases of domestic violence, doesn't matter. And they win a Super Bowl and, you know, Kansas City, they're fun and we love watching them play. Like that's, I just, I want to talk about the society view of that for, for a moment because that's what these teams are trying to think of too. You know, we're going to use this as leverage, man. Now we don't have to pay you as much money. Why would we drop you when another team is going to pick you up, reap the benefits of it, we're going to suck, and then everybody's going to make us the butt of the joke some more. Like I'm just... And and that falls on us. That falls on a lot of people on how we view sports. It's it's yeah. It's gross. It's disheartening. It's tough to avoid. It feels like eventually this conversation, this situation is coming for uh, every single team, um, and and so we we have to deal with this. And I think to me the answer to this is that as a and this isn't going to happen overnight, but as a country, we get more serious about domestic violence and punishing those seriously punishing those who commit this crime Uh, and, and understanding that it's, it's a crime that has long lasting effects. It's not about the physical damage. It is about, it is about the physical day. It's not only be careful with my words here. It's not only about the physical damage that someone um, inflicts upon another person. uh, But the, but the damage that that does uh, mentally and emotionally, I think we're just starting to really come to terms with that. And and the legal system is catching up with that. And so these people need to be punished such that 
it makes it it makes it untenable for them to continue um, collecting that much money and collecting that much power. Should they be? Should should people who uh, get help for this and 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 do the time, you know, get punished and then come out of that. Should they be banished uh, out of completely out of society? Um, you know, I think that's that's an interesting question to explore. But certainly, but certainly, they should not be allowed to collect the money and the power that is associated with being a professional athlete. That just doesn't well, seem s- sensical to me. Yeah, that 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 falls on your own personal opinion of how much you believe in rehabilitation after mm-hmm. somebody commits such a heinous act. And I do like I, I view I, I think it only serves society better for that person to go through some form of rehabilitation. It does not mean that that player or that person should be able to continue, you know, representing the Charlotte Hornets or representing any team. Right. Do you want that person representing what your franchise stands for? And that's what we discuss here, too. You continue to talk about the difference between the legal system and how these leagues can operate. It's exactly why Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended, whether he appeals it or not. Fine. But the NFL has the power to suspend Deshaun Watson because Deshaun violated their conduct policy. And and they have the power to do that, just like they have the power to ban him if they want to. Now, he might fight that tooth and nail saying, well, the legal system didn't find me guilty. Why? What, what grounds do you have to suspend me? You know what? Because we can. And then those same people, by the way, who want Deshaun Watson or want other people to continue to play in the league and say, well, look, you know, look, the NFL can do what they want. They, they had that same argument when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling that these team owners can do what they want. And, and now they're well, now he's, you know, he's fine. The legal system, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it goes both way for both ways for a lot of these people. Anyways. Yeah. Like it, that's the difference. The NFL, the NBA, they can operate how they want to within certain parameters. This is all continuing to grow and, and evolve. And just the fact that we, we continue to have this conversation is, is a sign of, I think a signal of that growth. It doesn't always happen like this, but I, I hope we continue to have these conversations because I, I try to come at this with a little bit of humility, like, hey, I'm learning more about these kinds of situations. I don't always I don't get I don't always get it right. I don't always say the right thing. I don't always I, my thinking on this continues to evolve and change, hopefully for the better, because, I mean, I think about I don't know if we were doing I don't know if I was doing a podcast around the w- around the time that the Jeff Taylor incident occurred, but I'm sure I didn't talk about it like this. I, I mean, I know we were doing a podcast when Lance Stevenson signed and Lance Stevenson uh, was uh, was arrested and and uh, allegedly pushed his girlfriend down a flight of stairs. And I know we didn't talk about it during that signing. Yeah. So we are not we are not uh, <laughs> blameless and and we, we we have been partly responsible for how this stuff is talked about but i'm but i i'll use the the okay curse like you did i'm damn sure that we're going to not continue to be part of that process anymore all right let's do the awkward transition transition so i don't actually curse and you know we, we can just transition so. to the next segment if you just want to cleanly <laughs> yeah. move you know <laughs> like yeah let's try to avoid the curse words if both of us you know are, are letting that fly about and let's just go to something different um coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast 
I don't know if we were going with the graphic there or not. Uh, you know not. what? Yeah, just, I, it didn't feel yeah. right. So yeah, just it, tell us what's coming up. I thought it was borderline. I thought it was like, ah, so I, I called for it. But you're right. You're right, Doug. We shouldn't go with the we should not go with the graphic. Instead, let's talk about bet online after we talk a little bit more about the Steve Clifford and uh, LaMelo Ball relationship, as well as Steve Clifford's appearance on the Adrian Wojnarowski podcast. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's talk about that Steve Clifford appearance on the Woj Pod next. Locked on Hornets. All right, Doug. Let's talk about this Steve Clifford appearance. Um, We discussed a little bit with Nada yesterday about the LaMelo Ball relationship, how Steve Clifford plans to address that, how he plans to build it, you know, watching game film, trying to Mm -hmm. bounce some ideas off of one another and just see how LaMelo's receptive to it. And, you know, that it seemed to be very basketball related, right? Whereas maybe some people view relationships as what you do off of the court. How often do you go out to eat? How often do you hang out and play video games or just invite people over to your house for a cookout? Whatever. It's not what Steve Clifford's about. A couple of beers with some buds. Yep, yep. That's not him. They He just wants to have a good relationship inside the spectrum center inside any basketball arena that they might be and that that can work right that's that's how well he thinks it can work um what were some of your other takeaways i, I know being the person you are you you probably diligently took notes on what you wanted to talk about and and even wrote some extremely detailed notes about those bullet points and then have a whole page before you even get to the next bullet point. I, I just want to hear your main ideas, Doug, and then yeah. we can bounce around some of the details. Well, I'm a big note taker because mm-hmm. I, if I don't write it down, I won't say it on the show. And I mean, you, you can't, you don't even, you don't even know all the, th- all the brilliance <laughs> that I've left on the floor because uh, I didn't write it down. And so I'm trying to, it with, uh, by the way, with my Substack, every Hornets box score, I don't know if you heard about this, I've got a new Substack that you can subscribe free. Uh, and there's going to be some paid content oh. too, uh, starting the regular season, but I'm doing game notes and uh, on every Hornets box and a podcast that Walker's a part of that David Walker's going to be on the next episode of. Uh, so that's super exciting. Again, every Hornets box All right, I'm done with the plug. <laughs> Let's move to this Clifford on. What did you write down, Doug? Okay. (laughs) So on the LaMelo ball thing, I want to reiterate that because people don't watch every episode. So on LaMelo ball, Clifford said that, you know, he knows that the best players want to be coached, but that LaMelo ball has a similar love of the game as Kimba, that he has joy on the floor and that he is not going to guess when it comes to LaMelo balls game, he's going to study it. And when he approaches LaMelo ball to have serious basketball talk, he is going to know LaMelo's game inside and out because that what that's what lends credibility to guys like Clifford. And and you need the credit before you can hold someone accountable. You need for that player to think you are credible. Steve Clifford can't do that with his playing background. He was a fringe D3 player. He can't he can't come at him and say, "Well, I played professionally for this long, so I know what I'm talking about." He can't do that. Even even coaches that have that resume find it difficult to communicate with young players saying they think, well, yeah, that's what you say, old head. That's what you thought. We shoot three pointers now, you know, so he comes <laughs> you at mean it. From, Tyrone Corbin doesn't have anything to offer to LaMelo ball. 
Well, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that, I mean, because right, because see, right. th- there are two types of players, oh, of former players, players that get really lost in how they did it in their day, and players that can move forward and evolve. And I see Steve Clifford as somebody that can absolutely evolve his thinking on how the game is played. He's a study of the game um, as it's currently being played. He was a, he, if you didn't know. He was on the Brooklyn Nets staff as like a consultant. So he would work with Kevin Durant. He would come in and say, all right, I think, you know, I've been watching your games and this is what I think. And so, you know, he's been around, he has been around the modern game, even though he's been out of coaching for a couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really interesting about how he's going to develop this relationship with LaMelo Ball. And I think the most important thing to understand is that I, I think he has the right approach. Come in with come in with actual knowledge and don't come in with like, well, this is how I think the game should be played nowadays and play it like this. Yeah, no, he he has shown he said all the right things as to how he plans to adapt. You know, I think a lot of coaches kind of hit it out of the park is what they say. You know, it's the introductory press conferences that the coaches usually win that and more often than not, fans are going right. to be feeling very good about what they hear from their head coach. And then, you know, they're immediately public enemy number one after, you know, a losing season. Right. But but right now, I think Steve Clifford is saying the right things. I will. I, I do want to say before we move on. Um, Mm -hmm. that Steve keeps honing in on how the best players want to be coached. You know, he's, Mm -hmm. he's priming mellow, you know, KD. Hey, if you don't find me credible, I know you find KD credible. KD didn't leave the gym. KD only benefited his teammates, teammates. He served as as an example for them, how much he worked, how much he put the time in. And Uh he also wanted to be coached because he wanted to be better. I'm just telling you what KD's thinking, Melo. So Clifford's played that a lot. It's a savvy move. I don't think he's speaking to (laughs) Lamelo there. I think he's speaking to everyone. If all of this goes south, he wants to say, well, you know, I told you, best players want to be coached. I tried to coach him, you know. So mm-hmm. he's he's setting all that, but I think he honestly believes that, and 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 Same. I think that's borne out in in history. Okay, so you've been very interested this whole time in the process that led to the hiring of Steve Clifford. Obviously, Kenny Atkinson was going to be the coach, and then decided, hey, I don't want to be the coach anymore. I want to go back to Golden State. And um, so you've been interested in the process of then going to Steve Clifford. He said on the Woj Pod that he didn't think he could even be a factor in the search. <laughs> yeah, right. And this is after Kenny Atkinson, not in the initial search, but in the after Kenny Atkinson. He didn't think he could be a factor until Mitch called him. So any of this business, <laughs> it was ridiculous when he said it. It's even more ridiculous I mean, now. But any of this business about Steve Clifford being on their minds initially is just patently I think even more ridiculous. Not enough for them to reach out to the person of interest, which is what you would do if they were a real part person. Like he would have maybe come up in the first seven names that they interviewed, you know, like, look, Steve, Steve Clifford being your plan F fine. Okay. Like, okay. Steve Clifford is, you know, I loved him when he was here. And this might be the right coach for this team. I think you know? F. I think F is the exact right letter because it, yeah. it represents the word that they all said when Kenny Atkinson <laughs> called them. I don't know uh, if he ever called yeah. them, but when when or if he did call mm-hmm. them and say he wasn't going to be the coach anymore, did, that's the word that they used. Did they have to include two letters like Plan BS? Maybe you know they had yeah, gone, maybe. they had cycled through the alphabet, and then again, and then they said, "All right, now it's Plan BS." But yeah. Uh, I just it it could not have crossed their mind initially when they fired James Brega. I got some key words for you. Ready for some key words that you and uh, anyone listening or watching this <laughs> show is going to hear a lot, Walker. I am ready. Let's hear it. Key word right now: balance. He wants this team. And he he said this too in his interview. It's a good with old Ashley. head coaching word. Absolutely, it's good. It's so good. Balance. 
Um, but he said this again in his uh, sideline interview with Ashley Shahamadi at Summer League. Um, by the way, shouts to Ashley, who is on the broadcast, on the Charlotte Hornets broadcast, doing the Summer League. I thought she did a great job uh, doing the sideline reporting and actually kept the Summer League team that did that final game got completely off track on this weird conversation about candy. And Ashley Shahamadi piped in and was like, hey, there's a game on, which is one of my big gripes. Let's, let's talk about the game. There's a game on, folks. I hate which, being at like a party, Super Bowl party or something, and there's just all of this chatter about all this different. I'm like, there is a game on. Let's Can we can we focus on the thing that we came to watch? But, but hold on, Doug. Hold on. You You understand. <laughs> you know where I'm going. You understand the hypocrisy. The What? The blatant, about? the blatant hypocrisy that is this podcast trying to put out a message of talk about the game, baby. Like that, it is, it is the most hypocritical this podcast has ever been in, in its entire existence. I just want I don't know. you to realize that. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, okay. keyword balance. Really, like Steve Clifford doesn't. It's clear Steve Clifford doesn't want to be viewed as like a defense first coach. I think he doesn't want to be viewed as one of his protege or not protege. What's the opposite of a protege? He's a mentor. protege of Tom Tib. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want to be viewed in the same way that his mentor, Tom Thibodeau is viewed, which is like Tom Thibodeau is like nails defense playing guys. 49. He talks like game. that too. I mean, his, it's probably a little raspier, but yeah, it talks like that. It's very simple. I do good impressions. Yeah. I mean, I, my Mitch impression, people talk to me all the time about it. They're like, wow, it's spot on. And <laughs> they stop you in the street. Uh, they do. They say your Mitch impression is. Uh, we really like it. It's. Um, <laughs> it's. It's. I picture Mitch you know, petting um, the cat. You know, maybe we go with Steve Clifford. <laughs> all right. So, uh, you're getting. You're talking about getting off track. You're getting me off track. So what Sorry. I'm saying is he doesn't want to be viewed that that way. He wants to be viewed as somebody that is speaking about balance, offense and defense. Get get the defense middle of the road. It doesn't have to be the best defense in the league. Uh, what do you think about that? You like that keyword balance? Yeah, balance is balance is great. It, usually you hear it more from an NFL coach trying to run the ball 50% of the time, pass the ball 50% of the time, even though that's not what balance really means for NFL offenses. But here's Steve Clifford trying to bring it to the basketball world. So, yep, I'm all about it, baby. Balance. I, I want the accountability. There's there. another you're gonna hear Perfect. accountability, and that was a big thing around his hire. Did we right? get culture? It, did we, we, we got cult, we got no we did get culture in this when? podcast we did so Steve Clifford was discussing the difference between players now and he said he said look I don't care I don't care how the NBA has progressed it is important to build a good culture like the culture oh, has yeah. to be right yeah he did we we got it man we got we, them all culture bingo. accountability balance uh those are your those are your key words here's an interesting thing from the podcast in general is that I heard him multiple times mention the coaching staff and how that's changed about the game, even more so than some of the other things about the game that's changed from a coaching perspective, that that the staffs are younger, that they're bigger, that you have more people on your staff, and that that as a coach, having relationships with people and try and, and getting the trust of your coaching staff, but also trusting the people that are on your staff to communicate what you would like to communicate to the entire team is, is super important. And he mentions his, he mentions staff and trust and the amount of people on the staff, like multiple times during these podcasts, it's got me thinking about the conversations 
that were swirling around this coaching hire, which was that the impediment, reportedly, some of the impediments to hiring both uh, Mike D'Antoni and Kenny Atkinson was a reluctance from the Hornets to move on from certain members of the staff. So I just want us to file away, Walker. I just want us to file away these comments by Steve Clifford, his focus on the coaching staff, because it's such a weird thing to focus on in an interview with Adrian Wojnarowski. Yeah, just the the amount of people in an organization now. And it's funny because here we are discussing player development, which he discussed as kind of a buzzword. You know, like it, it's a newer word, kind of. He's like, yo, we've been about player development in my entire career. Like the this this profession has been about player development, but we care about it from the 27-year-old standpoint too, not just the 20-year-old that you have within the organization. Like every day is player development for coaches. And when he was discussing that, he talked about also, I think, just how many people you have, right? So, you know, you have a liaison and, you know, from the Greensboro, from the G League to the NBA, right? Nick mm-hmm. Friedman was somebody that has since been hired that, that was viewed very fondly. You know, then Jordan Surencamp, you know, also coaching the G League team, you know, also being able to coach the Summer League team then this past session and, and how important those guys are building relationships with some of these young players. And so you almost, I mean... <laughs> It's funny, like you you are teetering to having a coach per player. You know, like, all right, this is your well, guy. Not this to is mention, your guy. Yeah, not to mention the people that are around the player that are not hired by the team, which you can't right. really do a ton about, but you've mm-hmm. got trainers and different things that are specially hired by these players. And but as a coach, what what I think what I gathered from what Clifford said is what you're trying to control is the messaging that's going out from the people that are hired on your staff, making sure that Nick Friedman is telling Kai Jones the same thing that you're preaching to LaMelo Ball and that everyone's on the same page and how how difficult that is. I would think, Walker, that that's even more difficult when you don't get to bring in you know your entire staff, when you don't get to build it from the ground up, which I think is is at least partially happening with this situation. So I just want to file this away. I'm not saying it's it's really incredibly meaningful, but I just want to file it away for for future reference when when or if there there is a situation with the coaching right. staff. It is filed. We will talk about that if it file rears it. its head once again. Are we? That's at what I the say end? when I file things. I go file it. It doesn't matter if anybody's in the room or not. You just say that out loud because you need to hear it. And then I say, there's a game on. Let's focus on the game, people. I want to, I would like to get serious uh, about the game. I'm a very serious person, especially when I file it. All right. Let's talk more about the pod maybe in another episode or who knows if we got through his whole <laughs> list of notes. If there are any more notes, we'll get he to that. He had lunch with Terry Rozier. Episode. He had lunch with Terry. Didn't say what he had. I don't know what he, I don't know where they went. I don't know what he had. Um, it, you know, he's obviously not a grilling guy. He's not going to, he's not going to invite people over for a barbecue, but when he goes out to eat, I'm not sure what he's eating these days. I think he's staying healthier. You know, he had some health issues his first round, uh, with Charlotte Hornets. So I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's eating healthy, but don't know if he had the salad, the soup, the sandwich. We don't know, but he had lunch with Terry Rozier. They talk basketball. Well, he did, he did say he got some rest. Maybe we talk about that. All right. Other pod, different pod, different. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for Locked on Hornets. Appreciate you joining us and making us your first listen. Make your second listen. Locked on NBA. It's your daily 30 minute update on the association. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.